This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your site for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Monica, I am Iron Man. Shenanigans. No, really, (laughs) really, I am Iron Man. Iron Man is me on the inside. It's not about what I'm wearing. It's about who I am on the inside, Monica. That is what makes me Iron Man. I was going to say, I would like to see you get a degree from MIT. (laughs) <laughs> i wanted to see you get that far <laughs> forget about the rich dad no 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 mit it man oh this is part two of episode number 48 of cinema fix focused on the movie iron man 3 so if you're looking for part one you're listening to the wrong file go away or we're, we're about to spoil things like crazy spoil bombs yes we're dropping major spoil bombs here if yeah. this is your first time listening to cinema fix Basically, this is the show on Film Geek Radio devoted to discussion of mainstream blockbuster films, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general spoiler-free discussion, and the second part, which you're listening to right now, is the more in-depth analysis of the film, complete with spoilers, and it's designed to be listened to after you've heard part one, or at least after you've seen the film. Again, this is part two, so if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening right now and go check out part one of our episode on Iron Man 3. I'm just going to assume that if you're listening, you've seen the movie. I'm not going to give a plot synopsis or anything like that. It's too long. <laughs> yes, it would be very long and, and convoluted. Uh, but before we dive into things, here's a clip. Nothing's been the same since New York. Oh, really? I didn't notice that at all. You experience things. And then they're over and you still can't explain them. Gods, aliens, other dimensions. I'm, I'm just a man in a can. The only reason I haven't cracked up is probably because you moved in, which is great. I love you. I'm lucky. But honey, I can't sleep. You go to bed. I come down here. I do what I know. I tinker. Threat is imminent, and I have to protect the one thing that I can't live without. That's you. And my suits, they're... uh, Machines. They're part of me. A distraction. Maybe. Hey, Monica. Yes. Is it just my imagination, or is there a moment in Iron Man 3 where Guy Pierce breathes fire? That was not your imagination. That was the thing that happened. Did, did that actually happen? Wait, wait, and you forgot the best part. Gwyneth Paltrow glows she actually glows that goop website of hers actually (laughs) sells something important it makes her skin glow (laughs) yes there's a lot of glowing in this movie and again i'm just gonna i I, I have to repeat it because i can't believe it uh guy pierce breathes fire (laughs) like that is the moment when the movie that was the final straw for me. Really? Like I was having some issues with the film up to up to that point, but I was still kind of enjoying myself. And then he breathes fire, and I was just like, "No, I'm done." Guy Pierce, fire just erupted 
from his mouth for no reason. I am done. <laughs> Your argument is irrelevant. Guy <laughs> Pierce breathes fire. <laughs> yes. Let, let's talk about the villain, or I guess I should say villains, in this Plural. movie. Because yes. they are a major problem, and they're one of the main reasons that I think this movie is so terrible. Mm-hmm. Did you like Ben Kingsley? You did, right? We talked about that in part one. I adored Ben Kingsley, yeah. And I actually, well, now that we can talk spoilers, um, I really liked what they did with his character. I liked that it was a twist. I love that he would turn out to be just a a puppet um, for this rich businessman to basically experiment on innocent people and then blame it on this guy as a terrorist attack. Side note, I saw this in a theater in Boston where that scene in the Chinese in the Grauman's Chinese theater did not go over well at all. You're talking about the the terrorist attack scene. Yeah, the terrorist attack scene. That was a very silent, awkward moment in a superhero movie, which usually has you know either people have it eating popcorn or you know checking their cell phone or whatever, and then that happened, and everyone was kind of like, "Ooh, too soon." Really. Yeah, just a side note, just only, I mean, this is my own little regional input. It was, it was kind of awkward, but that's not anything that I guess the filmmakers could have done, should have done or anything like that. It's just something, I am reporting unto you something that happened to me <laughs> while okay. I was in a packed movie theater watching this. Well, we're, we're going to get to that scene uh, yeah. later, because I have some things I'd like to say about that scene, but that is okay. that's interesting to know. But yeah, there is a big twist in the movie where it turns out Ben Kingsley is not really the Mandarin. He's mm-hmm. just an actor. I have to say, I, I appreciate the twist in mm-hmm. concept. I yeah. like the idea. Mm-hmm. I did not think the execution worked very well, just because, okay, the first half of the movie... I thought Ben Kingsley was a really intimidating, effective villain. He's got the mm-hmm. this this the look. This, he's got the, the look. Everything. He's got the voice. I believe that he's serious. He's got the Osama bin Laden beard going on. I like though it was like a Southern Baptist voice. It wasn't like a stereotypical. This is a Middle Eastern bad man voice. This was a very clean cut English. Yes, very strange accent. Uh, yeah. But it it totally worked. I liked how they were connecting him to Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. With the videos. Yeah, the, the Iron Man movies have always been great about delving into the actual war on terror um, mm-hmm. and, and, and U.S. foreign policy. So I liked that. And then when they ultimately reveal he's just an actor, the tonal shifts in this movie are kind of mind-blowing. Because... One moment you've got Tony Stark's house being demolished, Pepper barely escaping with her life, Tony left with no suits in the middle of nowhere, dragging what's left of his experimental suit behind him on a sled. And it's another scene you've got Ben Kingsley, like he just finished shooting his scenes from The Love Guru, just acting really goofy and kind of dumb and it's funny, but it just did not mesh together to me. It it just did. There was no flow to it. Like I was just. I spent the entire movie trying to figure out what the tone 
was supposed to be. And Iron Man 2 had some of those issues regarding tone, but it, 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 where it's just really, really a major problem here. Yeah. Like, the first Iron Man has a pretty consistent tone throughout. You know, it, it'll touch yeah. on real-life terrorism, and there's some... So occasionally some some heavy things that happen in that movie but overall it's a very fun light popcorn film mm-hmm. and you know who to root for at all times <laughs> it finds the perfect balance between drama and and comedy mm-hmm. and iron man 3 i was just like what type of movie am i watching i i do not know on the one hand is this a, a serious action movie where a bunch of people are going to die and Tony Stark's going to have his life ripped away from him? Or is it going to be a movie where someone breathes fire? Oh, come on. Just <laughs> I don't know. The tone didn't bother me as much, I guess. I mean, literally in the last movie, there was aliens. Game over. Joss Whedon just upped the ante. He introduced aliens to the superhero world. I can handle aliens more than I can handle some of the stuff that happens in Iron Man 3. Like, okay. It's supposed to be science. Come on. Don't pretend like you don't know what goes on in laboratories. So it turns out the actual villain is Guy Pierce's character, Aldrich Killian. Yeah. Who, obviously we know he's involved somehow because there was a flashback that showed him in the beginning. Hey, voiceover told us that there were regrets, and then this was yes. the scene that he regrets. Yes. So obviously... We know he's involved somehow, and I just assumed that he was either the boss of the Mandarin or working together with him. Like some, it was obviously they were linked, mm-hmm. and and that is a common theme in the Iron Man movies. You know, it turns out in the first movie, uh, Jeff Bridges' character Obadiah Stane, he's the one that was tried to kill Tony at the beginning, and then in Iron Man Two, Sam Rockwell's character. Justin Hammer hires Mickey Rourke's character to work for him. So the link between terrorism and rich weapons designers, shall we say, is <laughs> a common thread yes. throughout the series. The problem is I actually felt like Jeff Bridges' character in the first Iron Man and Mickey Rourke's character in Iron Man 2, I actually felt like they were threats. Whereas Guy Pierce in this movie is basically just a pouty rich guy who can, for some reason, breathe fire. And other, th- other than the fact that he can breathe fire, he's pretty much the same as his henchman. Yeah. The other, the bald guy that Tony keeps running into. So I, I, I just thought overall he was a very boring, bland villain. Except for the fact that he breathes fire, so which is it? Which is just silly and came from just came from out of left field. Like, okay, first of all, I don't even understand what the deal with the burning is, anyway. Okay, it, there's, it's to show that they're like bomb. Like, it's that's the thing that that plant it had leaves taken off, and then instead of just regrowing it, it exploded. It's something like this cells like overpopulate, and then boom. And then that's why they couldn't, like, she had the wrong formula, and that's why she was essentially turning people into human bombs. Right. And which is, that's how we get the link to the terrorist attacks. Okay, so they establish in the first scene with the plant 
that if you've been genetically modified in this way, you will heal, but eventually you will you will overheat and explode. Yeah, because she hadn't figured it. Okay, but 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 not everybody explodes. Like there are people that their bodies adapt to assimilate it. it. Yeah, right. And so I was trying to figure out. Okay, so they are are they just hot all the time? Can they control when their body heats up? If if they've assimilated to it, why doesn't the whole burning thing go away? What you know? I was just sort of trying to make that leap from healing to everything I touch will burn. And it, I was just, I did not feel like that leap was adequately explained. Science. And again, fine. So you can, so, so you can burn stuff. How do you breathe fire? I, I just, I did not understand what the it's rules. It's a natural extension of, you know, being able to channel that energy. Is that what it is? Or are they just like channeling new energy? Well, because that was the thing she was able to burn people or whatnot, or like the, the, soldiers and amputees that they took on as experiments that then regenerated limbs, then they use like that energy within them, the medicine or whatever chemical thing that was injected into them, into being able to turn things hot. So only Guy Pierce is able to become a human flamethrower. So I th- I'm going to say that he's like some master in this and obviously had it the longest or so, probably right. maybe even had more of it or whatever in the trial stages, whatever. It's just, it just happens. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I was just, I was just, I just spent most of the movie just thinking, why are you burning things? I, I also didn't buy Whiplash from the last uh, Mickey Rourke's character from the last Iron Man, so maybe I'm just like, I'm over Iron Man. Bad what, guys. What, what did you not buy about him? Dude, he was throwing around whips like he was Indiana Jones. I must well, yeah, but he, he built them himself. He created them and he built them and he had the design, the blueprints or whatever from Tony Stark's father to create an arc yeah. reactor. Like I like I was willing to go with that. Like okay, here's this really smart dude who has a personal vendetta against Tony Stark. Yeah, which is basically again the premise of the first movie. But whatever. No, 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 oh, no, wait, no, no. This no. is also the premise of the first movie. Everyone's pissed off at Tony Stark. That's what it is. Whoa, whoa, I got let, it. no, no, no. Let's back up. Okay, that is not the premise of the first movie. The premise of the first movie is someone within the company that's angry at Tony. They're not she he's not he's not angry against Tony personally, really. He wants the company for himself. The great thing about the first Iron Man is that it really is an allegory for how do you approach weaponry and okay. military power. And it's yeah. Tony who decides he wants to use his power for good versus Obadiah Stane, who's like, no, 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 we need to use this power so for our, we need to use it to make more money. We need to keep it all for ourselves and make sure the U.S. is still the number one superpower in the world and manipulate world the world how we want, essentially. So it's not really this personal thing as much as it's different ideals and i which i actually find really fascinating the second one it gets personal and then in this movie it's like okay does he want to kill tony stark or does he need tony stark yeah i wasn't sure i was like i I understood why he needed tony stark because tony stark was able to figure out the equation of to keep people from blowing up well right, right right okay 
this is this is this movie is just crazy. Okay. But like Tony Stark actually wrote out the equation on the back of like a sticky note. Yes. It it, it turns out 15 years ago or whatever when he first met Rebecca Hall's character and they had this scene at the beginning with the plan or whatever, he got drunk and wrote an equation down on the back of the napkin. And I wasn't clear, okay, is this the equation that enabled her and Guy Pierce's character? To, is that what got them started on the path to human trials? Or did they just know this equation is the answer, but we can't explain it? We need Tony. I, I was trying to figure out what, what is that qu- equation going to do? Have they already used it, or are they just trying to develop it? No, they hadn't used it because I think she just threw it away, or like just only saw the front part of it where it was like. No, no, no. But she, but she had, she had the napkin. She held yeah. on to it for fifteen years. So I'm sure, so never she must, turned it over. <laughs> I, I'm assuming she didn't keep the napkin just because you know it said whatever it said on the front. I can't even mm-hmm. remember. I'm assuming she kept the napkin because she turned it over and there was this awesome equation on the back. I was just trying to figure out. Okay, so did they use that equation then? Or not? Yeah, no. I don't understand what the deal is with the equation. And if they if they need Tony, like at the second half of the film, they kidnap Pepper because they need Tony to help them fix out Do all something. the kinks. Yeah, and stop people from exploding. If they need Tony, why did they spend the first half of the movie trying to blow him up? I don't understand. Yeah. What do they want to kill him or do they want to use him? I I I don't get it. Please explain it to me, Monica. Is there something I am missing here? I don't got one. No, you're not supposed to go into these movies today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not asking for some deep movie. I'm just asking for things to go from point A to point B and make sense. No, I. I just, I didn't get it. That whole subplot, I was way more interested in. Oh, shoot, the Mandarin, man. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the twist happens, and all I kept thinking was, whoa, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. Yeah, I just, I, I, I don't understand what the plan is here. And also, 15 years ago, the plant exploded, and yet, yeah. so they didn't fix the kinks, and yet they still decided to go to human trials? For some reason, this guy's a terrible scientist. He is an awful person. No, he's after the monies. Okay, but that leads me to the Happy Hogan stuff at the beginning, where John Favreau's character, Happy Hogan, is trying to figure out what the deal is here, and he gets blown up in this attack at the Chinese theater. Okay. Yeah. Can you explain that scene to me, please? Because here's what I understood. Mm -hmm. The bald guy. Yep. Guy Pierce's right-hand man. Henchman, yes. Who apparently, according to Wikipedia, is actually a Marvel character. Oh, well. (laughs) But you wouldn't know that from this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So he shows up at the theater to give a package to this other guy who's, Mm -hmm. like, desperate for this package... And the other guy opens it up and just starts, like, puts this, like, mask on or starts, like, snorting something. Yeah, he, he snorts the, the what should be, like, medicine, supposedly. Right. And it's like, so so apparently this healing medication is, like, a drug or it's addictive or yeah. something. Or he's desperate for it. And then he just explodes. Mm-hmm. And I was I was not clear, like, okay, wait. 
So did the bald guy know he was going to explode, or is it just completely random which of the test subjects turn end up exploding? Yeah, I think that's what it was in the footage of the experiment. They had a bunch of veteran amputees that get strapped into the chair, take a sort of vaccine of whatever this chemical is to regrow their limbs. And one of the guys strapped in starts to heat up and everyone's like, evacuate, evacuate. And then that's when he blows up. But everyone else, you know, either assimilates to it, takes to it. And there's just apparently some bodies still reject it or whatnot. Right, right. I, I, I guess what I'm asking is, is the explosion at the Chinese theater, is it planned or does it just happen? That's true. Do they plan for that to happen or is it just we're just going to give Or the... they have to give the medicine to like four different people before right. one finally And then sp- one of them will explode randomly. And then the I... Mandarin can take credit for it, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I don't – I did not understand what the deal was with that. Um, okay, let's talk about – stuff going on beneath the surface here, Monica. Mm-hmm. Does this movie have a theme of any sort? Because the first movie had some driving themes that it was dealing with pretty heavily. The yeah. second one had some themes it was trying to deal with. It didn't always explore them perfectly, but it did have some things it was trying to delve into. It was a movie trying to be about stuff. Mm-hmm. This movie, I don't know what it what it's about. Yeah, it's not exactly a message movie. <laughs> it's sort of like he's d- dealing with post traumatic stress, and then at other a points, it's it, like, yeah. like like what is his arc? Is his is is Iron Man's arc in this movie going from uh, I've got PTSD to I'm okay now? Is it going from I'm prioritizing Iron Man over Pepper too much, and I learned to, and I need to learn to fix that. Because it's at times it seems like that's sort of what the movie is trying to be about, but it's not sort of. Really. And then it drops it for a, a, some scenes, and then it picks it back up again, and then it drops it again. Right? Yeah. In that sense, it it does switch quite frequently, and then even just. Politically, like, when they, at first it's, you know, terror, 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 and then, oh, there's this twist. And then afterwards, when we find out that Ben Kingsley's just, his character's just a stooge, it kind of just, like, falls by the wayside. Right. And then there's, like, this, there's this line that gets repeated a couple times about how, like, sometimes the the stuff you start out exploring with (laughs) good intentions, somehow you get corrupted along the way. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I can see how that applies to the Guy Pierce character, sort of. But is that re- is that related to Iron Man at all? Yeah, because it was the pet project that got out of control, and now it's re- taken over his life. Is that is that the conflict that it's taken over his life? Well, that's why he blows up all his toys for the glory of his lady which made no sense to me well, by we'll the way like, like i'm sh- well do you want to get to it now i'm pre- pretty sure it's quick well, yeah okay we can cover that okay so at the end of the movie there's this big battle he has this reserve army of like 50 unmanned iron man suits that can operate on their own which for some reason he doesn't pull out until the very end of the movie and they come to save the day, and then he decides to blow them all up. And I was like, 
okay, why is he blowing them all up? Is this like a sign of I need to focus more on Pepper as opposed to Iron Man? Is that the theme that this, the, the arc and the theme that this is supposed to be capping off here? Because I did not really get that for the rest of the movie. Like, I, I got that their relationship was sort of a little bit on thin ice and she was kind of annoyed at him, but she's always annoyed at him because yeah. he's Tony Stark. So get go. Right. So I was like, what's going on here? Why are you? Apparently she's tired of being annoyed. I guess. And he was sensing she was like, well, she wanted to go. So this is supposed to be like his commitment to her. He's so committed to her. He's going to blow up all the iron men suits because I'm sure he'll never need them again in the future. Nah. Is this is supposed is, is that supposed to be some major like revelation and turning point for his character? Because I gotta tell you, I can see turning points for the Tony Stark character in the first film and the second film mm-hmm. that make sense to me on a narrative and character level. I do not yeah. get any major arc or turn or evolution in this third film. Also, wasn't it weird that all of the suits just exploded, like, relatively so easy? Whereas before, it's like, oh, he's indestructible. Like, it takes, like, a lot for that suit to fall apart. And then this one, he was just switching from suit to suit because they would blow up. It would catch on fire. It would lose the ability to fly. Like, he went through 50-some-odd suits or 40-some-odd suits. Wait, yeah, it was 40. Well, the thing that I got that it seemed to me like... The unmanned suits, like whenever he himself is not in the suit, yeah. For some reason, they break apart really easily. Yeah. And I did. I wasn't clear. Like, was that intentional, or does he have extra armor somehow when he's inside the suit? I don't know what's going on. But but there's several yeah. moments. Not even at the end of the film. We're just like periodically throughout the entire movie when one of the unmanned suits will just break apart real, really easily. Like there, there is that. There was a really cool moment where there's that big action scene. I believe it's after he saves everyone from the plane, which mm-hmm. is a cool scene. Oh, at least he. At, well, was that a compliment to this movie? Because you've just been on the war path now for a while. <laughs> I will say, I, I liked how that scene was directed and I liked okay. the concept of that scene where they're all linking hands together. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool idea. I hate that it was sort of spoiled in the trailers and TV spots that I That's happened true. to catch accidentally. Yeah. But I, I, I thought that that was a, a really good idea. And then when he at the end when he gets hit by the truck and this suit basically just falls apart and you realize he wasn't in it. That was a cool reveal so it makes me think that for whatever reason, somehow when when he's not in the suit, they just break apart really easily. I, I don't know why, but they do. Yeah. Maybe he's got just really strong bones. You know, he drank he drinks a lot of milk. It's one of those things like a hollow. You know, it's easier to break something that's hollow than something that's solid. I guess. Maybe. Maybe. Perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's some there's obviously superhero physics and then real world physics. Right. But yeah, there there are way too many suits in this movie. I got confused in the final battle because so he's got this suit that he's trying to fix with his little kid friend. Mm-hmm. 
and they've got that whole Terminator 2 vibe thing going. Okay, see, the that was the part that actually upset me the most. It was like the little kid moment. It was like, if this was a television show, you'd be yelling, he's jumped the shark, it's jumped the shark. This series is jump shark because it was, it just felt tropey. It felt so tropey. Right. Like, there were parts of it that I thought were kind of enjoyable, but on the whole, I was just sort of like, why is this in here? No, he's literally here for just telling you some sort of a backstory about the guy who killed him, who supposedly killed himself in a, that one of those bombings. It turns out that it was just actually just, he was poisoned and then exploded. Right. How did that happen exactly? Was it just an accident? Like... Yeah, it was Others, supposed to be, or... it, like, mirrored the one, the, the incident at the Chinese Grauman Theater. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so he befriends this little boy, and then they've got this suit that he's trying to, ref- to fix at the kid's house out in the garage. Yeah. which parents never show. Right, and at one point, that suit comes to the rescue, and he calls it to help him. Yeah, down in Miami, which is a couple hours away from wherever he was in Tennessee. Yes, that was that was very strange because there's this little gag where he's called the suit and he's just waiting for it to get there. Yeah. And the, the, the henchmen are kind of like, what is going on here? And it's this little humorous moment. But it, the suit has to fly from Tennessee to Miami. Yeah. And I was like, how fast are these pieces going? <laughs> like, what? Pretty sure it's that's still like a two and a half, three hour flight. Yeah, like th- these things are, are, are traveling well over the speed of light or something to get or there. Or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> They're definitely going faster than the speed of sound, that's for sure. Yeah. So, okay, but anyway, yeah, so he calls that suit, and I got confused. Because I got mixed up, and I thought that that suit was the Mach 42, yeah. or whatever he calls mm-hmm. it, that had showed up earlier in the film. I can't even remember when, but at some point, he's wearing the Mach 42. He was uh, doing, like, a test of it or so, like, having it come to him, and he was learning to summon it. Right, that's yeah. right. You really hated this film. <laughs> Not even remembering, man. That Then in the final battle, the Mach 42 shows up, like, yeah. right before he's about to face Guy Pierce, and he's, like, really happy, like, here comes the, the Mach 42, and then there's a little gag where it crashes and falls apart. But I was like, yeah. wait, 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 wasn't the suit that he had at the little boy's house, wasn't that the Mach 42, 42. Yeah. I, I, there were which like... Which came to Miami, which then he summoned uh, whatever yes. weird golf ridge uh, oil drummery thing they did. Yeah, there were like, <laughs> there were so many suits in this movie, I was just getting lost trying to keep track of all the suits. I mean, they're color-coded. They're all different styles. Yeah. Okay, also, getting back to Iron Man 2 a little bit. Oh, could I say real quick? Oh, what was the other part that I really disliked? Oh, so at the actually at the very end, the very very end of the movie, along with blow up all the Iron Mans, men's Iron Mans, Iron Men, Iron Iron Men. Anyways, he had surgery or so to remove the little tiny arc reactor. Yes, which destroys what? the relationship he has with the suit. And I was like, that's when. I left the theater and I was like, man, that sucks. Like, he doesn't have the same 
It's it's not the same, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, no, no. I mean, it, it still sort of is. Like, okay, he had the arc reactor. Yeah. To power his heart, which was mm-hmm. completely separate from the suit. Like the suit is something completely different. I understand that, but it's it's like again a part of that relationship. Like the arc reactor never left him. The suit is always with him in a sort of way because of right. that chess piece, and then it's gone. <laughs> right, and I guess that's supposed to be symbolic of, again, how he's focusing on Pepper now instead of Iron Man stuff, and he's sort of destroying this... You will get this... plastic surgery for your girlfriend to make her happy. Yeah. <laughs> I. But the, the thing that annoyed me about that was I was just like, wait, wait, wait. How did he have surgery on his chest? Like, the whole point of him becoming Iron Man was that he could not just have surgery on his yeah. chest. Yeah. Like, he had to have a magnet in him because surgery will not do the trick. Mm-hmm. Well, because there were so many pieces of shrapnel. Right. And so I was I was confused. Like, wait, wait, wait. How is it that suddenly he can do this now? Is it because now of everything that's happened, he they've cracked the, the, the healing? Mm-hmm. Technology caught up. <laughs> right. If, if they use this special healing technology now, is that somehow involved and is that why they're able to remove the shrapnel? They they were able to use new age techniques. <laughs> Maybe. I was like, how can this happen? Like, again, just throw in one line of dialogue to explain why this is possible now when it wasn't possible in either of the first two movies. Yeah. It, it's just really out of nowhere. And it made me sad. Yeah. Because that's a lot of people's costumes for Comic-Con. Is that yes. the chess piece is glowing underneath their t-shirts. And and speaking of the healing stuff and how stupid it is, let's talk about Pepper Potts. Sure. And <laughs> how she is handled in this movie. At the beginning of this movie, she's normal Pepper. By the mm-hmm. end of this movie, she is... Super Pepper. She's Wolverine. <laughs> she has Wolverine's healing ability. Oh, that's kind of... True. And yoga pants? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm glad she happened to be wearing that sports bra that somehow didn't burn off in the fire. Ooh, that could have been awkward. First of all, the way her supposed death scene is handled, mm-hmm. it just I wanted to groan out <laughs> loud in the theater because it's one shot of her falling. Into the fire. No, Mufasa, no! Well, that's it. There's no dramatic build-up to it. There's no silence. There's no real, like, pause. There's silence afterwards. It's just, like, a little bit, but... Sad, sad Downey out there. And then, now he's mad. And he goes back to the guy. There's, like, a small beat where he looks unhappy, but there's nothing... It didn't feel very heavy to me. There was nothing that communicated to me like, whoa, we just lost this character who's been here from the beginning and who has basically been Tony's anchor this whole series. And because there was no real weight to it, I knew she wasn't dead. It was like, well, of course they're not going to treat it like she's dead Mm -hmm. if she's not dead. For some reason. They should have treated it like she was dead. Right. Oh, psych. That would have been really, uh, that might have fooled me a little bit. I mean, because she's been injected with the healing stuff, you kind of know in the back of your mind, oh, she can probably heal. 
But if they had done more to just sell the fact that she had supposedly died, maybe when she does show up at the end, it would have meant more. I don't know, but yeah, that 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 whole climactic battle scene was just a giant mess. And then she, <laughs> she walks out of the fire. She's the one that kills Killian. Yeah. And I just, I'm. What are they doing with this Pepper Potts character? Because I like her as a character in Iron Man one and two. In this movie, she's basically the damsel in distress. Do you disagree? Uh, in the first Iron Man, she basically is a damsel in distress. No, 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 no. In the, okay, in the first Iron Man, you can tell she's got things under control. She's basically no. She's always like freaking things. out. She's like she's you know, but, but, but okay. assistant and Stark's assistant in this. Right, but she, she she's his emotional anchor of sorts. She keeps him on track. And then at the yeah. end of Iron Man, she's the one that goes with Agent Coulson and S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. to arrest Jeff Bridges' his character. Yeah. She's the one that ultimately has to blow up the arc reactor at the end of that movie. So she, yeah. she actually gets pretty involved and gets stuff done. And then in Iron Man 2, yeah. she's CEO. She's running the company. Like, in in, yeah. in those movies, she's a very strong, independent, empowered woman. Mm-hmm. In this movie, most of the time she's a damsel in distress, not doing a whole lot. I feel like she just screams a lot. She screams a in lot. In all movies, all three. There is a moment in the uh, big action scene where the house is being blown up. There is a moment mm-hmm. where she does save Tony yeah. uh, after he's given her the suit. Yeah. But then she's basically just a damsel in distress until the very end when she kills Killian. And she starts out the CEO. I mean, I do want to give her some credit. Right. Like, it, it was just very strange to me because in the first two Iron Man movies, she seems like a very empowered woman. Mm-hmm. And in Iron Man 3, she really doesn't seem all that empowered. She doesn't seem gotcha. like a strong character and in the movie, it's almost like the movie is trying to fake empowerment. Like, it's trying to make us believe she's she's a strong woman by having her use violence. Right. Like, oh, well. Yeah, that was definitely a, a point that stuck out to me. Yeah, now she's the violent one. Now she's the one that's saving Tony with violence. She must be an empowered oh, woman. that's how it feels. I'm like, ah, oh, really? I was like, no! She was already an empowered character. You don't need... Yeah, she was a badass, yeah. You don't need to make her a superhero. Mm-hmm. You don't need to give her healing powers to make her an empowered character. <laughs> Which will be gone by the next movie, I hope you know. And they will never mention it again. Oh, no, well, so that's what I'm, I'm curious to see. Like, will these healing powers stick around? Is she suddenly well, gonna... Well, they, they mention that she gets, like... The vaccine to undo it, like the antiviral thing. Wait, do they do they mention that at the end? Is there like yeah. a cure? Yeah. Oh, I okay. Because Somehow that was that was that. part of the thing that you know Tony had stabilized it or whatever. Okay, I I thought that that just meant that there's no longer any danger of her like burning stuff or potentially exploding. Well, then that neutralizes the superpower part. Okay, I, th- I, th- I thought the whole reason they wanted Tony to come on board was that they wanted him to help them figure out how to keep the healing regenerative aspect without the burning explosive aspect. Yeah, because then they could have 
they could have commercialized that. And I right. think that's what they were working towards. But he said he refused to. Well, right. But but the impression I got at the end, after mm-hmm. everything that happened with Pepper, is that he did work with them to sort of fine-tune the technology. So the impression I got is that Pepper can still heal, or there's mm-hmm. still, you know, the, the, this technology is still out there where people can heal. There's just no longer any danger of them blowing up. Maybe. So I'm yeah. wondering now if in the Avengers 2 or Iron Man 4, if Pepper is going to be getting in the action and, you know, kicking butt and then healing. Is that canon? <laughs> I have no idea. I want to double check this. Although it might be spoilers. <laughs> like, I really do not want to see that. Like, I like Pepper. As a part, like, just as a regular Yes, as a regular person, person as, as the normal, down-to-earth, grounded individual who's super smart, super capable, who can mm-hmm. keep Tony on track and mm-hmm. be that that anchor for him. Yeah. I like that, and I really do. That's why as soon as they injected her with the, the healing stuff, I was just kind of like, what are you doing with this character? Like, uh, yeah. they're, they're removing everything that I like about the character. You really did not like this movie. I really did not. This movie just, it, it makes no sense. There are no character arcs. <laughs> there are no dominant themes driving things forward. It's almost too many themes, yeah. We there, there, about that. I don't know. I don't even know if there are themes. Like, <laughs> like okay, I, I can see how you can make the argument that Iron Man 2 has too many themes it is trying to develop. Like, it's trying to develop this idea of um, weapons and how once you develop new weapons technology, it's inevitable that your enemies will get that technology too. It's -hmm. trying to talk about that. It's trying to talk about legacy and the idea of fathers and their children and what do you leave behind. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on in that film, and it doesn't fully manage the juggling act but it's trying to touch on stuff this movie i have no idea what it's trying to touch on like i think i get little glimpses of things that i think it might be trying to develop but but i'm not sure (laughs) at the end of the day what i'm supposed to take away from this movie all right yeah it's just it is not a good movie i i don't know what it is about superhero trilogies but if this and The Dark Knight Rises are any indication... Don't do a third. It is really difficult to... Don't go for three. To, yeah, to, to wrap up a trilogy. Well, technically, Spider-Man 4 is the reboot, so... Oh, yeah, Spider-Man 3. That's another good example. Yeah. I'm sure if we go as far back as the original Superman series, Superman 3, was that any good? Isn't that the one with Richard Pryor? I don't even know if I ever saw Superman 3, but I think yeah. that's the one with Richard Pryor, and I think it's supposed to be terrible. Well, there you go. You know, and then there were the there were the Tim Burton did two Batman movies, and then there was Batman Forever. So <laughs> well, and then you have the fourth Batman, Batman right. and Robin, which you know is pretty much the end all be all of Batman <laughs> superhero movies. So for some reason, you have if you have a third film in a superhero series, it just does not work. X Men Three? Uh, nope. No. Nope. Oh keep man. Keep going. <laughs> I'm sure there's more we missed. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're going to have to wrap things up because I'm sure if I thought about it, I could think of more stuff to rant about regarding You're just Iron gonna Man You're going to end up 3. throwing your computer out the window. 
Re- honestly, p- you're gonna turn into the Hulk, which I don't know what number of Hulk movies we're on, but we want to want to check that. Oh, speaking of Hulk, uh, did you stick around after the credits? Yes. Oh, of course. Also, can Mark Ruffalo just ha- like reboot the Hulk series? <laughs> I know we've had like four reboots in the past like couple years, but I think Mark Ruffalo needs his shot. He's begging for it. It was a nice little post credits. Easter egg, completely inconsequential, has nothing to do with either this movie or The Avengers 2. Yeah, which I'm perfectly fine with, thank God. Could have been another scene at the Sharma shop, but... Right, it's interesting to me because I was expecting, you know, now that they're on this sort of second wave of superhero movies, Mm -hmm. I would expect them to build up to Avengers 2, just like the first wave built up to the first Avengers movie. But it's not coming out to, like, what, 2016? I think we got time. 2015, 2016, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, the Avengers had a little glimpse of something to come, but it was mainly just the scene in the Sharma shop. Yeah. And here with Iron Man 3, this scene seems rather inconsequential. So, so I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, well, I sort of want to know what you've got planned next. And then there's another part of me that's like, you know what? I don't care. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the thing. They, things can change so, so much. Um, I right. I think it worked when it was, you know, Samuel L. Jackson showing up at the end of the movie and then saying, have you heard about the Avengers initiative? Then, you know, that's something. But... Otherwise, the art, the the story now can go wherever. We're not building up towards the Avengers anymore, right? And and also, if there's if there's anything Iron Man two taught us, you know, the, the one of the main flaws of that film is that you should not spend too much time looking forward. Like there are so <laughs> many scenes in that movie that serve no purpose except to basically say, "Hey, the Avengers is coming." Yep. Hey, do you remember the Avengers 2 is on its way? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thankfully, there was nothing like that in, in Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. Oh, man. Okay, Iron Man 3 is more of a direct sequel to the Avengers than it is mm-hmm. to Iron Man 2. Like, they actually reference oh, yeah. what happened in New York. Yes. Well, that's the source of his PTSD, essentially. Th- there's, like, no link to Iron Man 2 at all. It's like they're trying to forget that movie existed. Yeah, again, like, we have fire-breathing people in this movie, and that's not going to be mentioned at all in Iron Man 4, so... Right, but, like, nothing from Iron Man 2 carries over into this film. Like, Iron Man 2, one of the, the... The second villain in that movie was Sam Rockwell's character, Justin Hammer, and that movie ends with him getting arrested and him sort of looking over at Pepper and saying, I will be back. I am mm-hmm. I am coming for you. So maybe it's every other movie. I expected him to show up in Iron Man 3. No. Nah. Maybe it would have worked better if, instead of inventing this new character played by Guy Pierce, maybe if it mm-hmm. had just been Justin Hammer out for yeah. revenge, maybe that would have worked better for me. I, I, maybe. Or I we know. just, you know, we got to check with the evil scientist community if we don't want to leave anyone behind. Right. We hate to play favorites. I'm sure there's many of them. But I see, I actually kind of liked Sam Rockwell's character in Iron Man 2, and I was curious to see... You didn't see... dig Guy Pierce's character? Because I actually thought it was pretty I did, cool. I thought, let me put it this way. I thought Guy Pierce gave an admirable performance mm-hmm. for a really lame character. Okay. 
really, really lame. hated the fire breathing. Oh, you ignored me at a party 15 years ago, so I'm just going to pursue my bad science and yeah. blow stuff up for some reason. I don't even... What was his goal? You know, some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> well, okay. At one point, he mentions his goal is to, like, control the supply and demand of the of War on Terror? Yeah. Or something? I, I, I did not understand yeah, he, what... Yeah, he does that claim. Because that's... I mean, that's why he funded his own figure and then played it off with his employees as the master is coming. Right. I was just like, why? What is his goal? What is his plan? Honestly, this villain is nothing except a pouty rich guy who breathes fire. And that is <laughs> not interesting to me at all. <sighs> I mean, at least with Sam Rockwell's character, there was like, he has motivation. He hates Tony Stark. They're professional rivals. Mm-hmm. With Guy Pierce's character. He was wronged. <laughs> I guess. But it, but see, then at, w- at one point in Iron Man 3, he even says, oh, yeah, you left me on the roof, but that actually, that's okay. I forgive you because that made me desperate. <laughs> so that made me, you know, pursue my goals more fully or whatever. So he's he's not even really bitter about that. Love your haters. <laughs> I was just like, wow, what is, what, what is with this villain? I don't understand. Oh, all right. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to pull a Kanye, and uh, I just think that <laughs> Iron Man 2 is a not as great a movie, but Iron Man 3 isn't all that either. So I'm going to let you finish, but if you didn't know, Avengers 2 is coming out in a couple years. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish, but just so you know, Mystery Man is the greatest superhero movie of all time. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mystery Man. <laughs> no. <laughs> We, it is it is past midnight. My <laughs> cultural dictionary has closed for the evening. All right. It, it's time to wrap up this episode with our favorite segment. Uh, we, we always wrap up each episode this way. It's a segment we like to call Reboot This. This is the part of the show where we pitch either a prequel, sequel, or a remake to the film that we just discussed. Monica, this week, do you want to go first or should I? I think only you should say something. <laughs> really? You don't have any good ideas for a prequel, sequel, or remake to Iron Man 3? Can it just be, like, Robert Downey Jr. talking? <laughs> <laughs> he can just, I again, like, just have Shane Black write dialogue for him and then just leave him alone with the camera and we'll we'll see what happens. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Is, it, it, or, is this a remake of Iron Man 3 or is this Iron Man 4 that we're talking about? Like, uh, I guess... We should remake Iron Man 3 since it wasn't that great, and my solution clearly would get rid of the annoying little kid. So, put a camera on Robert Downey Jr., give okay. him Shane Black's dialogue, walk away. Don't mess with it. <laughs> so Iron Man 3 is just a monologue? I think I, w- I would be entertained. <laughs> so this is like the $1 million version of Iron Man. <laughs> this is the art movie. <laughs> this is what's going to play in the little art house cinemas, and... Ten people will go see, yes. <laughs> Is it just Robert Downey Jr. like recounting the events of the film? Well, you know, it was all supposedly in voiceover retold to Mark Ruffalo. So I think we should yeah. just have, oh, you know what? I think we should just have the camera on Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo. Robert <laughs> Downey Jr., when we tell the story, Mark Ruffalo will pretend not to be falling asleep during it. And then, scene. Okay, you. Okay, I'm sold. Reboot. Okay, this, this sounds like a really. This sounds like a really cool stage play where it would just be yes. like a, a two man play, 
Yes. Um, so Robert Downey Jr. is explaining what happened to Mark Ruffalo. He's going to talk out his problems, yeah. Right. But Ruffalo fall, fell asleep, as we mm-hmm. learned in the post-credits. Yeah. Fell asleep very, very early on. So yeah. most of this movie would just be Robert Downey Jr. talking to himself and coming to realizations and epiph- epiphanies on his own. Yes, which is a lot less confusing as to whatever the hell was going on in the movie. I like this because in 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 this version, we might actually get to see some character evolution and and understand what's going through his head and 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 what he has learned. There you go. Okay. I solved it. Who should direct this film? Ooh, I see. Again, I'm I was at peace with Shane Black's dialogue. I like the Lawrence Oblivier jokes and you know Westworld jokes and things like that. Hey, nerdy film people. <laughs> Here, here's what I'm thinking based on on your description. I'm thinking Shane Black dialogue, Lars von Trier directing, and he, <sighs> you do it uh, like Dogville style, where you've got mm. all the drawings on the floor, and he can sort of act out. What? Just the handheld camera. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Man, I just watched Dancer in the Dark and helps wear some primitive cameras, man. (laughs) All right. Well, I've got a pitch. It is for Iron Man 4. It's -hmm. for the sequel. Either Iron Man 4 or Avengers 2. Either one. (laughs) Here's how it works. Are you listening, Joss? (laughs) I hope you're listening because this is a great idea. I'm telling you right away, you need to run with this. Okay. The villain is Sam Rockwell, Justin okay. Hammer. Dan, you really like this guy. I don't really like him. I just I, I, I don't love him, but I want his I want him to come back. I want them to follow up on that and on okay. his threat. Okay? okay, because he's angry at Pepper for having him arrested. So he's <laughs> back. Here's what happens. Guy Pierce is alive. Barely, but he's alive. Because he blew up in the Iron Man suit or whatever. And his body yeah. was charred, but he could still sort of heal a little bit. Yeah, uh, remember that did happen, and then that's when Pepper came in. And oh, right, right, right. Took yeah, him out. you're right. Yeah. You're right. Okay. His fifth death. All right? I can't. I can't even remember. How did she take him out? She just like hit him with something, or yeah. did she stab him? I think it's like Falcon Punch. <laughs> and somehow that killed him. Sure. Okay. Whatever. He's still alive. So Sam Rockwell comes along, and because. Sam Rockwell's character, Justin Hammer, is also a weapons designer and weapons specialist. He basically heals him and revives him, turns him into this sort of cybernetic human. And here, here's the key. Iron Man versus Terminators. He gives Guy Pierce mm-hmm. mechanical wings. So Guy Pierce is basically a human dragon mechanical hybrid flying around breathing fire okay is that not an awesome idea if you're gonna have a guy breathe fire you gotta go all the way and make him like a game of thrones style dragon sure he flies around breathes fire I think there should also be a scene where, like, a bunch of other fire breathers come up and, <laughs> you know, then he have to destroy them all and they all explode in fireworks. And then America, fist pump. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cut to credits and Sharma shot. Scene. Okay, okay. Sam Rockwell's character is upset with Pepper, so he sends Guy Pierce to go after Pepper. And because Tony 
was stupid and blew up all of his Iron Man suits, he basically has to uh, fight off mechanical Dragon Boy Guy Pierce on his own, <laughs> using only his wits. And you know, like, just because it's a superhero movie, he'd MacGyver something together. Which is kind of what did happen in one of the sequences. <laughs> yeah. He kind of made it out of, he kind of made a sort of suit, not a suit, but like weapons out of like homemade materials. Right. Which was very strange. Yeah. And, okay. So here's what I'm thinking. Most of Iron Man 4 is going to be like Die Hard or Home Alone, where <laughs> Tony Stark is inside with Pepper trying to protect her and trying to rig up all these gadgets and stuff, while Guy Pierce is a mechanical dragon person breathing fire, trying to break in and kill Pepper. All right. Does uh, Gwyneth Paltrow get to put both her hands on her cheeks and scream in the mirror? No. Damn. She has the hair, man. She has the hair. She's going to use her wits. She's going to be like the old Pepper managing Tony and helping to helping him set up defenses and, and, and take out this guy without sure. becoming some weird healing super person. Yeah. What do you think? It's going to be directed by John McTiernan when he gets, <laughs> when he gets out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that'll wrap it up for part two of our discussion of Iron Man 3 here on Cinema Fix. Don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing The Great Gatsby. We would love to get your feedback on the show. Let us know, did you have as many problems with Iron Man 3 as I did, or did you really enjoy it? Let us know if if, if you had to reboot Iron Man 3 or, and, or make a, a sequel or a prequel or a remake, how would you handle it? Email us and let us know. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Let's Get Real and The Thin Place. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me online at Twitter at mcastimovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. They can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofca.com. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema and then breathing smoke in hot fire. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!